Available at health food stores and alternative health centers, 799-7995 or intertapestry.org. Support for WERU also comes from Quantum Insulators of Belfast, serving Midcoast Maine as spray foam specialists. Licensed dealers of the Isonine portfolio of spray foam products, including commercial and residential applications with renewable and recyclable content. More information at quantuminsulators.com or 338-3077. It's... 959 and you are tuned to WERU FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Common Health with your hosts from or Common Ground with your hosts from Mafka is up next. Good morning and welcome to Common Ground. MOFCA's hour-long discussion of Maine food, agriculture, and what's happening around the state. My name is Cheryl Wixon, and I'm MOFCA's organic marketing consultant. And I'm joined in the studio this morning by Paul Volkhausen from Happy Town Farm in Orland, and by Marianne Kinney from um, Kinney Sugar Houses in Knox. Is that correct? So, and I. I want to say a welcome, good morning to both of you, and thank you for braving those roads. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, good, good. good. They they can't say winter's over yet, you know? (laughs) This may be the only touch that we get, but it certainly is beautiful out there. So, well, in case you you can't tell by our guests this morning, we're going to be talking about maple syrup, one of my most favorite foods here in Maine. So, But before we dive into that, I just want to bring you up to speed with some of the things that are happening around the state in on your local food and agricultural scene. Uh, last weekend, in uh, 16 locations across the state, uh, the Maine Organic Farmers hosted the CSA fairs. And Paul and I were at two of them yes. <laughs> in uh, Bangor and in Ellsworth. There were ones in, in Belfast in, in southern parts of the state. So if you hadn't have not had the opportunity yet to purchase your share of a farm in community-supported agriculture, I encourage you to go to the MOFCA website, mofka.org, and find your certified local organic farmer near you and purchase your CSA share. So... We'll start this morning a little bit by uh, maybe Marianne. Just tell us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your farm, so to speak. It's called Kinney Sugar House, right? It is Kinney Sugar House, and we we started out in 2005, and we just have grown from then. We started out with 1,750 taps that first year, and this year we have about 9,000 taps. Wow, that's a lot. Now, when you that's say taps, is that like per? Tr- it is a tap per tree? Do you have more than one tap per tree? Most or? of our trees are single tap trees, but we do have a few with with two taps, and we have a couple that have three taps, mm-hmm. but nothing over three taps per tree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I can count. I think we have about 10 on that have three taps. Okay. So now, And you're trees. located in Knox, right? In Knox, yes. Now, yeah. tell me, I mean, we can't see it right in front of us, all those trees with all those. And you do tubing. When you say taps, you're going to be do, yes, doing tubing. Yes, we have over 70 miles of tubing in, in the woods between uh, the little 5 sixteenths lines that are going from tree to tree to the, t- to the ones that are larger that take it to an even larger line. And every single tree's 
sap comes directly into our sugar house. We don't have to haul any of it anywhere. We don't have pumping stations or anything like that. So it's pretty, so it's it very impressive. It all goes right into the sugar mm -hmm. house. So yes. it's kind of like a big super highway of, it is. of sap. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's pretty impressive to see. I like that. Like the, the LA freeway and it's all running right into the sugar house, right? Now you said you've been, you started in when? 2005? 2005 was the first year we tapped our trees. Okay. Now are these all your trees? Yes. They're all on our, uh, we have a 185 acre plot um, in the back of the farm, mm -hmm. the main farm. Um, the main farm is on about 350 acres and mm -hmm. the back 185 is all woods and has been groomed to be a, a maple stand. It was tapped maybe a hundred years ago um, and then they clear cut it. So it's a very young so these trees, it's a very young orchard. The trees, the orchards, sugar bush, sugar orchards, bush is that orchard. what it's known as? Yes. Yeah. Yep. These trees are less than 100 years old. Most of them. Most of yep. them are. Really. The ones with three taps are, are the ones that were left behind mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. re to mm -hmm. propagate the species again. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Well, Paul, how about you? Tell me a little bit about, uh, tell folks about Happy Town Farm. And okay. Well, uh, with my wife, Karen, I run Happy Town Farm, and it's a diversified, uh, year-round, certified organic farm. We grow vegetables, we have laying hens, um, turkeys, pigs, all kinds of different things. And um, <clears throat> we also make maple syrup in the springtime. Uh, we're on a much smaller scale than, than the Kennys are. We ha I have about 150 taps. Um, we're putting in a few more. We'll hope to be up to about 180 mm -hmm. um, this year. Uh, we started out, we bought our land in 1978, I think it was. And uh, the Happy Town Road that we live on is lined uh, with maple trees that are probably over 200 years old. Wow. The, the, when we lived there, there was a man that was born 19, uh, 1888 and said when he was a kid, those trees were as big as they are now, he, mm -hmm, he thought. Mm -hmm. And uh, they run really sweet sap because they're along the edge of the field, and um, so they're really nice. So we started back in, in uh, seven, 1978 with 25 taps. Um, back then on those big trees you could put four taps um, on a tree and uh, the sugar, the sap was really sweet so we would, we would average about 25 gallons of, of sap to a gallon of syrup. The, the you know, standard is 40 gallons to one so those, those trees are, are mm -hmm. quite sweet. Um, then later we expanded into our woodlot and we uh, worked on about a five acre plot and thinned, uh, removed some of the trees that were shading out the maple trees and let them grow and there was an old fence line through the woods there that had some nice big maple trees but the rest are all younger, smaller and mostly one tap and a few two tap trees. And uh, so we've been, we've been up and down since, since we started. We got a uh, bigger evaporator uh, about 15 years ago and um, in, in, then in 1998 with the ice storm we lost about between a third and a half of our trees. Oh, we had wow. just cleared a lot of the uh, taller trees, hemlocks and beech that mm -hmm. were in there and that opened up the maples and the ice storm just d devastated that area. So. We've built back up again, and now we're up to 150 or 180. So let's just, I know a lot of us studied this in fifth grade. <laughs> I mean, that was one of my favorite subjects, it was studying how to make maple syrup. Now, you mentioned, Paul, that the traditional industry standard or 
rule of thumb is like 40 gallons 40 of gallons of sap, sap boils down to one gallon about of syrup. About one gallon of syrup. Yeah. But depending upon, there are many variables. The sap could be a little sweeter, so you, yes. you wouldn't need so much. Is that correct? Right. And how do you, like, so how do you know, how do you measure something like that? You can measure the sugar content of the sap with either a refractometer or a sap hydrometer, mm -hmm. um, and it will give you the refractometer, it's light transmittance yep. mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. to determine the amount of sugar, which is what we use um, as we concentrate down through a reverse osmosis machine. We're trying to get our sugar content to about 12 to 14 percent before we start putting it into the evaporator. Before so, you actually start to boil it, right. Yeah. So there must be some, there's quite a bit of energy that must be required then to take it from all this water to to get all the water Absolutely. off it, is that right? Yeah. Right. Yes. And, and that's it, why the bigger operations use a reverse osmosis because yeah. that way they only have yeah. to boil half as much water off or exactly. Mm -hmm. saves yeah. a lot We're of taking energy. almost 90% of the water oh, yeah. out yeah. before it hits the evaporator. And that helps us. We're oil fired on our evaporator, mm -hmm. and we're able to get. We've gotten down to less than half a gallon of oil to make a gallon of syrup, which is really impressive, considering our evaporator will burn 15 to 16 gallons an hour of so, oil. So you want to keep you yes. want to keep that as much Especially under control. At today's price. Yeah, yeah. right. Now, do, how do you fire your evaporator? Uh, I use wood. You use uh, and so gonna... we've. We know when I, we bought our farm, it was grown back into. Um, woods and so as we cleared it we just burned everything we could in the evaporator and now working in the woodlot as we thin out the beech and the mm -hmm. other trees that we don't want anything that we can we burn in the evaporator okay now what about uh there are more there's more than one variety of a maple tree is yes. that correct yes so what ones, I mean, can you tap, can I just go out? I've actually, I, we have done this before and we weren't successful. We decided we'd, <laughs> we'd get it from somebody else. But can I just go out in the woods and tap a maple tree or are there better ones that are better than others or? There, there are ver different varieties and most of them you can tap. Mm -hmm. uh, the rock maple is the sugar maple. That's going to have your sweetest sap. Red maples and silver maples are also tappable, mm -hmm. uh, but that's, they'll bring your, per gallon, it brings your sap the sugar content of your sap down. So it's going to take more, more sap. sap to produce a gallon yes. of maple syrup, right? Yes, and generally they'll run darker yes. sap. The red maples will run, so the syrup will be darker. Okay, okay. So if you like, if you prefer a lighter colored syrup, then the sugar maple or Absolutely. the rock maple is right. the... Now, I, is that the primary kind of tree that you folks tap? Yes, well, almost. We, we have, out of the hundred and... 50 to 180 taps, we maybe have 10 taps that are on red maples, 15, the rest are all sugar maples. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The red maples are the ones I often remember in the fall because those are the ones that get those bright, bright red leaves, so right? They yes. get red and the yeah. sugar maple has more of a gold, a yellow or a gold leaf mm -hmm, in the fall. Mm -hmm. Okay, those are the ones we tried to tap one year and it happened to be a year that there was like five feet of snow. And I said to my husband, I said, well, you know, we should tie a ribbon around these trees. So when we go out in the woods, we'll remember where they are. He said, don't worry. He said, we'll just tell by the leaves. Well, I mean, I mean, literally it was like three, four years ago when we had four or five feet of snow. So I think he ended up tapping a, a it wasn't a maple. <laughs> but after that, I thought, I'm going to leave it to the pros. Yeah. So how about you folks? Is, are we're, yours? We're a mixture. Uh, probably the most, most of our trees are probably rock maples, but we have some swampy areas where the silver maple is what's going to mm -hmm. grow easier, and we have several 
red maples as well. I don't know the exact content. My husband Lee could tell. He's, he's could the tell tree you guy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we we have all we tap all three. Okay. If it's a maple, we put a tap in you it as long as it's big enough. It's, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, what determines that a tr- a tree is big enough so you're not going to damage the tree or it's the diameter at breast height and the recommendation is ten inches at at breast height, 10, 10 inches diameter, and uh, then to add more taps, you have to go to 20 inches, and then over 25, you can add the third tap, and that's as much as the industry really recommends that you do, mm-hmm. so that you're not over-tapping the trees. And we're on vacuum as well, so we don't need to put a lot of the, even the 25-inch trees only have two taps, because we don't need to have that third tap, that third tap mm-hmm. that we're getting the sap that we need out of the tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though vacuum kind of, it sounds like we're sucking the sap right. out of the tree. We're not actually doing that. It it actually, what it does, the tree has to release the sap to you. Mm-hmm. And it gives you its excess sap. And with the vacuum, what it does is it lowers the pressure on the outside of the tree. Mm-hmm. So that the tree, because the tree has got high pressure inside and wants to equalize. And if you drop the pressure outside the tree, which is what the vacuum is doing, it will help to release that sap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what about you, Paul? How do you guys do it? We don't have vacuum. We right. have just gravity, they call it. And uh, um, so the the sap, so we have, we're all on tubing. So right. the sap runs down through the tubing, and it, it creates some of its own vacuum when it's really running, but uh, but it's not the same as, as vacuum. What, you think you get another... 25 or 30% more sap with vacuum? Or Probably. I know there's there's been a lot of times we've had visitors that will come in and we'll look at them, why aren't you boiling syrup? We're not getting any sap. And it's because the vacuum is allowing us to get, if it's a high-pressure day, it can, the, the tree thinks it's just as high a pressure outside. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't, it won't actually release as much sap because it's not really an equalizing mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Situation. So yeah. now you you you're both on tubing then. So the yes. little buckets, those romantic <laughs> little buckets. Is that really not the industry's is that really not used any longer? Anyone on any scale is on tubing. Yeah. The labor involved when we first started out we were on buckets. And when you're slogging through the snow, especially in a year. <laughs> Right, you know, when like there's a last lot of, year yep. when there's four or five feet of snow in the woods and you're on snowshoes, it's that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And tubing just takes it all down to a tank. We have to haul our tank is down at the bottom of the hill and our evaporator's up by the farm on top of the hill, so we have to go down and haul it up to the to the evaporator. But still, it's one trip. Right, and, versus and, all those yeah. pails mm-hmm. and and if is it tr- it's true that if the sap's running pretty well in a day. You might have to empty the pails more than once. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Would that be mm-hmm. the case? So, I mean, you're out there, like, I won't say babysitting, but maple sitting the trees. <laughs> now, what about your situation? You say it runs down to your collector. Would that fill up in a day, or is it yes. large? Yes, yes. I have to keep my eye on it. Uh, on a good day, you might get two gallons of sap per tap on a really good day, and so, you know, you have to keep your eye on the tank, uh, and I just what I need to. I I go down. I have a 400 gallon tank on the back of a, a truck that I can drive down into the woods and mm-hmm. and uh, collect it as needed. All right, and then you will then you'll take it up to the. And I take it up. I pump it from my collection tank into my gathering tank, and then mm-hmm. from my gathering tank 
into a tank where it runs by gravity into my evaporator. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, in case you just joined us, you're listening to your community radio, WERU. FM 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming all over the world at WERU.org. I'm Cheryl Wixon with the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association, and this is Common Ground. And our program this morning is we're just diving into maple syrup. <laughs> and I have two pros in the studio with me. Um, Paul Volkhausen from Happy Town Farm in Orland, and Marianne Kinney from Kinney Sugar House in Knox. And um, so... You're helping me out a lot here. I'm getting this in my head, so we're collecting. What makes a difference in a day if, or why does the sap sap stop running? I mean, I've heard, okay, warm days above freezing, nights full, nights when it's cold. What what kind of factors play into when this when it starts to run, and and has the sap started to run? I know it has. I've seen it your your place. So yes, yeah. Um a couple of weeks ago, we had the really warm days. We had in the 40s yep. during the day, and it would get down into the mid-20s at night. That's ideal temperatures for mm -hmm. maple syrup mm -hmm. to start, for the sap to start flowing. And then it froze. <laughs> so we had our January thaw, I think, in February this year. And we've actually, we've already made 240 gallons of syrup, which is about what we made the first year we, we had tapped. Okay. Um, and we're just waiting for the weather to warm back up. And that's coming, right? That's, it, I've heard it's, it's supposed coming. to be in the 40s coming yes. up in the weekend. So yep. now have you just tapped? Well, we tap. We were tapping during that warm weather, and we weren't getting any sap then. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure if we were just a little colder or mm -hmm. our trees just hadn't w awakened yet. or, uh, But we haven't. It was dripping out enough to fill a cup and at, you know, from at the bottom of the pipeline, you could fill a cup and drink the sap, but there wasn't really enough to collect and boil. Now, you don't leave these taps in all, the, all over the winter? No. no. Okay, good. So, <laughs> all right, well, that's, I mean, this is a good education for me here. So tell me, and do you, that's my first thing I'm thinking is, and do you always go back to the same hole when you tap a tree, or how do you do no. that? Say, Okay, good, good. Tell us, Paul, how... Uh, well, two things. Okay, when you're tapping a tree, you, you don't want to be close to a hole because the, the wood dies right around the hole and it won't actually run sap. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you, need, you want to be um, six inches to the side and a foot above or below your old tap holes. And you have to tap new, new holes each year and... If we're both certified organic, and so with certified organic, you can only tap once a year, and you're required to remove your taps within two weeks, I think it is, after the end of the sap run. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, if you've, got a, if you've been tapping for 10 or 15 years, have you got enough tree left? Yes, you do. And one of the, one of the reasons you do is because of the snow level. Last year, we were on snowshoes, and putting your taps in and you're drilling them at about chest height, that's where it's easy to drill the holes. Mm -hmm. And when we went to pull the taps out of the trees, we had to use, take a step ladder <laughs> around with us. We couldn't reach I got the it. taps. <laughs> yes. So this year, there's no snow. We're tapping right at ground level, mm -hmm. just as low as we can. And that gives you a, quite, a, quite a distance it's, on it, the okay. yeah. And And also, as the tree grows, it'll grow over that dead spot, and eventually right. you can tap in that same general area, area again because the, the, the tree has grown out beyond it. About the, the other thing yeah. is we're probably both using what they call health taps now which are 
small or the normal tap was seven sixteenths, and now they're using five sixteenths mm -hmm. taps, and they heal much more quickly yep. than the than the big holes, so mm -hmm. that um, the tree heals over in a few years, and and really it it's gone. You don't you don't see it. About how old is a tree before you can actually safely, economically, that sort of thing, tap it? Any idea? Well, it, it really depends on the, on the situation, but they figure in the woods it takes 30 to 40 years to get to be 10 inches in diameter. Oh, that's right. You said 10 inches in diameter was yes. a healthy standard. Yep. And, and then you can tap them as long as they're healthy for... And how yes. a maple tree can live to be quite old, can it? Yeah, some of the trees along the Happy Town Road are 200 years old. Yes, yeah, what and you said, yeah. They've been tapped. The the uh, Urban Brown, the man that lived there when we moved out there, said those trees were tapped when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, going back, you know, he was 98 years old or something, 97 years old. So, so if I were a young person going out to be homesteading, the very first thing I should plant would be maple trees, isn't it? Because it's <laughs> going to be 30 or 40 years before. It's going to be the next generation. <laughs> it's hard to plant sugar maples because sugar maples are, are sensitive into in where they grow. They like a rich, deep soil. Mm -hmm. And so you can't go out into an area that has a lot of spruce and fir and plant sugar maples. You could plant red maples there, yep. but you can't plant sugar maples. Sugar maples, they call it upland soil. Sugar maples like an upland soil. It's mm -hmm. a little better drained, a little deeper soil. And so you, you can't just go plant sugar maples okay. anywhere and, and, and expect <laughs> to get my own sugar orchard, huh? Not yeah. gonna work no. like that. <laughs> but anywhere where there are hardwood stands of you know, if it's beech and, and birch and those kinds of trees, then you can generally plant. That's the kind of soil maples. that's probably going to support a sugar orchard. Right. Now, you didn't, obviously, your sugar orchard, you didn't, your, did your family plant it? Or no. was it? No. Um, it's kind of interesting. My in-laws had purchased the farm that we're on in 77, so similar time frame. And they had an orchard in Auburn that mm -hmm. they had tapped, about 1,200 taps, um, about 30, 40 years ago, and they saw this stand, and they have been pulling out a lot of the, the firs, the uh, pines, the spruce, mm -hmm. getting rid of those trees so that the maples could really uh, grow. We're starting to pull out beech and uh, ash um, when when we can if they if they're going to be a, a real problem to mm -hmm. the to the lines if they might if they're dying and we work to take it out take them out in the off season so that we can make repairs if the tree does come down on a line. Um, and actually a lot of that wood was put into building our sugar house. When we built the sugar house, ah. we used a lot of that wood. We had it plain. Frugal. And, I like yes. you farmers. Yeah. So you built your building, you used the wood to uh, fire up your evaporator. Yeah, we yeah. like mean people, good frugal <laughs> folks. <laughs> so, so basically both of you have this orchard that you tend and you maintain and you maintain the health of it. And uh, now we, the maple sugar business is big in New England. It's it's big in it's big in Maine. I don't think people yeah, realize how large it is. Yeah, that uh, a large. I mean, we're one of the larger producing states, aren't we're we? We're the not? third third largest producer of maple syrup in the U.S. Are we, the state of Maine is. Yes. It, don't, yep. And don't tell me Vermont's the first. Yes. They are. Of course. They are. <laughs> are they really? Oh, yeah. They truly, yeah. really are. I, was, are. I yes. always heard a rumor that they just yeah. bought ours in and said they were the biggest. <laughs> no. no, no. They they actually they they've tapped probably every maple tree they possibly can in the state of Vermont. <laughs> in Maine, there's a we have potential to grow. We could easily pass Vermont. Um, and then New York is also growing as well. They're mm -hmm. the second largest producer 
in the U.S., and they could easily be number one, and we could easily become number two and make Vermont number three. <laughs> oh, we would like that. <laughs> Absolutely. We would like that a lot. <laughs> yes. So so let's just switch over just a little bit. We've talked about the actual gathering of the sap, and and I'm assuming that you, when you tap in the spring, or the late winter, I guess is what you might call it, that's when you run your tubing, too. Is that correct? Or do you leave well, that no, out all year round? the tubing's left up year round. You Absolutely. just... You take it, pull it out of the tap hole, and just tie it up to the tree. Oh, really? Yeah. So does it, it just empties itself out? Does it need to be cleaned or anything like that? So. Well, we clean ours. Some people do and some people don't. Mm -hmm. We pump a, a chlorine solution back through the lines, drain that out, and then pump water. Fresh water fresh through water to get the chlorine to, residue yep. out, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. How about you folks? We use a, a peroxide solution. Yep. And yep. Uh, mm -hmm. that that's wonderful. It turns to water and... And I use hydrogen. the same thing. It's, it's, it's hydro wonderful. Hydroparacetic acid type. It's a yep. great product. I use it sanitizing all the time. Yeah, it is. So you don't have to rinse afterwards or anything well, like that. Well, Mofka requires us to rinse yep. afterwards, so we do. Okay. Um, and it and the the rinsing can just be letting the first run of sap just kind of run out. And oh, okay. And then you just dispose of that, we right? We just dispose the first the first mm -hmm. little bit of sap that comes through the lines, and and it doesn't take much to to rinse out the lines and. It's worked wonder, wonders. We have we went from having damage year round in the woods from squirrels and deer and porcupine and what you name the animal they were chewing on the lines. Chewing the line, right? And I don't know if you have that problem with the chlorine because yeah, the they yeah, love the chlorine. Love leaves a salt, salt residue that yeah. they love. Oh really? And so it's actually in the industry. Most people are not using chlorine anymore. Um, mm -hmm. They're not even. A lot of people aren't doing it at all. They're just letting the first run of sap Be clean them. the line. Yep. Mm -hmm. We've found with the with the pr premium peroxide that we're using, it cleans the line, leaves no residue, and any bacteria in the line is completely sanitized. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we're we're making a better syrup at the beginning of the year than we've ever than we've ever done. And, and some of our tubing now is is eight years old, and it. I mean, it, we made some of the lightest most beautiful set syrup mm -hmm. last week than we've ever so made. So, what's the life expectancy of tubing? It varies. I mean, yeah, I know we've got, I can yeah. hear there's a lot of critter, there could be yeah. a lot of potential critter damage. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've, you're constantly... Ten, ten years that. is, you know, a lot of it, You now you can buy 10-year tubing and 15-year mm -hmm, tubing, mm -hmm. and uh, what we found that the tubing actually lasts longer than the fittings, that uh, wherever you have a drop line mm -hmm. from a tap, you have a T into yep. your line, and those break long before the tubing is worn out. And their life is is not ten years. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. six or eight years. Okay. So, any but from a basically, you tap the trees, make sure your tubing's already get all set up, get your stuff going, and you know, within the next supposedly we're going to having some decent weather. How long does the season last? Well, um, and what and what <laughs> I know, it, I know it's variable. But what are the variables? What makes the season? Yeah. Well, six weeks, we usually figure that it's going to be six weeks. It, historically, we've tapped the first of March, and our last runs are the middle of April. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of things that, that stop the sap from running. One is, well, warm weather is, is the main reason, but the trees start to get, the buds start to swell, and the sap gets a bad flavor at the ah, end of the gets, season. It's it called bitter? buddy. Yeah, yeah. okay. What did you, yeah. you call it again? Buddy. Buddy, yep. yeah. Yeah, and buddy, the, that's the, the other flavor. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is that bacteria grows in the tap holes and that the tree just seals it up 
to protect itself from that bacteria. Oh, so it's kind of like when you scratch yourself, then it's going to seal yes. itself over yeah. so that it the bacteria doesn't mm -hmm. get in there, that sort yeah. of thing. So so you a six-week season, how do you find yeah, the same? Yeah, usually about six weeks is what we figure. Um, and another thing with the smaller tap holes, the, the thing is it's not as much of a hole in the tree, and the tree likes won't start healing immediately. Mm -hmm. It'll actually heal faster with those larger taps, with the 7 16 taps. It starts to heal immediately, mm -hmm. whereas those 5 16 inch taps are, they're, they're actually extending the season. Mm -hmm. And there's always new technology yeah. trying to come out. They, we've switched over to a check valve, which yeah, has so, a little so ball we, and, uh, in it. And it, the nice, what the, what it, in theory, what it's to do is there's a little, a little ball inside the tap extension mm -hmm. and that's what goes into the tree and just you replace that every year so you have a new piece going in every year so that it's free it's clean it's free of bacteria you put that in into the tap hole and then the ball will allow the sap to come out but won't let it go back in so any bacteria that's growing in the tubing won't go back won't end up in the tree, the tree and then the tree is essentially going to last longer. Yeah, quite a, this is quite an industry. I, I mean, I'm sure it is a multi-million dollar industry. And, oh, yeah. And, yeah. and there's a lot of technology being developed all the time. You know, yeah. Maine has, has research. Vermont has, has research. Mm -hmm. Canada, I mean, Quebec actually is a huge yes. producer. Yeah, of I know. Yeah. I know we have yeah. a lot of producers yeah, yeah. in the state that are straddle the, the border that right. have yes. sugar sugar orchards in both parts of, you know, yeah. Canada and, and here in the state of Maine. So, so we've got our, our, Sap's coming in. You you do a reverse osmosis process, and then yes. you evaporate. You just do straight evaporation. What do you What do we do? What do we get with it? How much syrup do you get? And what do we do with it? <laughs> what do you do with your syrup? How much do you get? I mean, what's a good year for you? Uh, lately, well, last year, say we got forty five gallons of syrup mm -hmm. from about one hundred and fifty taps. So usually, you figure one quarter syrup per tap. And then with the vacuum, you'll get a little more. With these check valve taps, you'll get a little more. Mm -hmm, uh, yeah. But generally, they say a quart per tap. Mm -hmm. And last year was just an incredible year. The sap ran and ran and ran. Before it and, butted out, so to speak. Yeah, I think partly because there was so much snow in the woods that it kept the trees cool it's for like a, a long time. It's like a little little ice box on the bottom. A little ice box mm -hmm. yep. on the bottom so that even when the air temperature was quite warm, the trees yeah. were still cool and were still running sap. Oh, so maybe this snowstorm is help going to be helpful that we just had? No. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. Time will tell. Yeah, right. <laughs> Everybody asks us every year, well, what do you think the sap's going to do this year? <laughs> I'll tell you, you in know. six weeks. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, dear. So 45 gallons now, is that part of your, uh, that's part of your farm plan, and that you make that available to your... Yes, we sell it. Most of it's sold right from the farm, but mm -hmm. we what we have left when farmer's market season starts, we take to farmer's market and sell it. And I'm sure you market. keep a good batch back for yourself. Yes, we, we cook with maple syrup. We love maple syrup. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about now? You, you folks are on a little different scale <laughs> little here, different. right? Yeah. We made just, just shy of 3,000 gallons last year. Uh, we average usually about a third of a gallon per tap. Uh, we could be a little higher on vacuum. They try to they say more like a half gallon or even more. Sometimes mm -hmm. they've been testing with the check valves, but that's ta tapping just that rock maple, which mm -hmm. has the higher sugar content. So, where where we have the mix, we tend to be a little bit lower than that. Mm -hmm. But we've been consistent with a, around a third of a gallon per tap of maple syrup, and we turn we sell some in bulk right in the barrels. Uh, we sell. Uh, smaller bulk containers. I know. Five, I, five I, 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 have to, I have to 
make a little disclaimer in here in that I purchase a, a lot of maple syrup from Kinney's because I use it in value-added food yep. processing. So I, uh, and we eat a lot of it too. <laughs> Good to know. Yes. Oh, yes. Yep. Yes. Um, but we also, we do a lot of value-adding. We do bottle the syrup in glass and plastic containers, but then we also make maple cream, maple the soft maple candies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call it molded maple sugar. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to charge tax because we're not calling it candy. Uh, I actually oh. petitioned the state Did taxation you really? board be, to be able to do that because New York had done that. And mm-hmm. they called it molded maple sugar. And then you don't have to worry about sales tax. I, I, I sent the state a check for 41 cents. It cost more to the paper involved and the stamp. And <laughs> well, that's an interesting thing. There's no sales tax on maple syrup, is that correct? No sales tax on pure maple products. On pure maple. So how do we get from syrup to sugar? There's varying degrees. The, the next stage that we go to is the maple cream, which is a nice spread. It's made out of pure maple syrup. Mm-hmm. We don't add milk, cream. Nothing's yep. added to it. It's just maple syrup. Uh, in Canada, they actually call it maple butter. There's no butter in it. There is, in the States, maple butter has butter in it, mm-hmm. and it is a different product, but it's uh, it's made hot versus cold, the, uh, and it makes a wonderful spread. I love it. Peanut butter and maple cream sandwiches mm-hmm. are really delicious. <laughs> I like maple <laughs> you, cream, yes. And uh, so that's the next stage we go to. We, we take it a little, we boil the syrup a little bit further. It's sounds easy. You boil it 22 to to 24 degrees above the boiling point of water. Yep. And then you let it cool, mm-hmm. and then you stir it. Sounds simple. It's the easiest product to mess up. I bet it is. Yeah. Getting something above, I've tried to make, well, I make value-added products, but I've tried yeah. to make candy and things. To get it that hot? The Well, the trick, some of the tricks are make it on a nice day. That way you'll get that smaller grain. Oh, so, so it's a, a, sun, low, a sunny day, low humidity, right? Yes, yeah. yeah, a low invert sugar syrup. Mm-hmm. So it has a, and there's a test using the Clinitest test tablets mm-hmm. for diabetic supplies and stuff. We just try to use early run light syrup, mm-hmm. and that usually has that low invert sugar. Mm-hmm. And and then doing making it on the nice day will help, and try and, and getting that proper temperature and. Mm-hmm. Cooling it as quickly as you can uh, to get that fine, creamy grade. Otherwise, it gets a grainy. If you've ever made fudge on a rainy day, it's it, very grainy. It's grainy on the it's yes. the texture of it. It's not yeah. so pleasing. So. Yes. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, let me just say that we're having this fascinating conversation about maple syrup, and you're listening to your community radio, WERU-FM, and this is Common Ground, your host. That's Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. And even though I, I just want to continue this conversation, I would like to allow folks at home to uh, have the opportunity to call in. And if you have any specific questions or comments that you'd like to ask of either uh, Paul or Marianne, the number here in the studio is 469-0500. Again, you're listening to WERU, your community radio. And this is Mofka's Common Ground, and we're talking about maple syrup. And now we're talking about maple sugar. And that's so, um, is there, aside from the maple sugar that's made into the candied, into the form of like candies right. or things yep. like that, what other, uh, other things can you, do you do with it? We've, we actually take it all the way to sugar, and we'll remove all the water from, from the syrup mm-hmm. and make granulated sugar 
It's wonderful. You use half as much in baking, so if a recipe calls for a cup of sugar, you can replace that with half a cup of maple sugar. So you cut back your calories, plus you're using a, a more natural sugar. Plus you're using a main product a main instead product. of something with, it's, yeah. It's healthy. It's full of minerals. And, and you sell that too? Maple oh, yes. sugar? Yes. I'll have, we'll, yep. talk, we'll talk about this afterwards. <laughs> I actually do believe that we have a caller. Good morning. Could you state your name and where you're calling from, please? Good morning. This is Yo in Tremont. Oh, good morning, Yo. How are you today? Fine, thank you. What can I've, we do for you? I've been tapping a few red maples here on the hillside. and uh, it, What I've noticed is some trees run good on some days and some trees run good on other days, and it can be really unpredictable. And I, It's a small operation, so I use bottles, and I watch very closely how much each tree produces, and it's amazing how much it varies. But my question is, um, if at any, at any point during your process you filter your product and uh, what stage that would be and what you use to filter any impurities that might be in your product. Thanks so much for coming on this show. Oh, great. Well, thank you for your call. Either one of you want to... Well, I'm sure we both do the same thing. You, we filter the sap when we collect it into the collection tank, mm -hmm. um, and that way any any impurities that were in the lines uh, is, is uh, and that's just a, a fine water filter, basically. And then you also filter the syrup after it comes off the evaporator. We use felt or Orlan, Orlan filters right, after it right as it comes off the evaporator when it's still hot and it flows right through. And then there's a paper pre-filter that's in that. Mm -hmm. We do basically the same idea. We have a sap filter that mm -hmm. we sap, filter our sap as it comes in. Again, you get different impurities in the lines. And then our, we also filter off the evaporator with a filter press because we're putting so much through, and it's paper. We have It's a gear pump that pushes the sap through. Mm -hmm. We add diatomaceous earth. That's the actual filter itself, and that's removed from the syrup as it goes through the press. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that, But that's how the syrup is filtered, and then and it's it's... A little faster, mm -hmm. um, which a lot faster. we, we kind of need it to be faster <laughs> well, with, with the amount that comes off. Capacity, but, right? um, for a smaller producer, we also sell a lot of maple supplies, and those cone filters and pre-filters are, I mean, we can't keep them in stock usually in the season because they're, they're so popular. And as long as you keep them, keep the syrup hot going through it and wet your filters before that first run goes through just with, with water. To then, get you, then you filter damp. your product. Yep. Yeah. I think we have another caller on the line. Good morning. Could you state your name and where you're calling from, please? Yeah, I'm Rick from Brooks. Yes, good morning, I Rick. Just have a quick question. Uh, how long can you store sap? You mean the sap, not the syrup, right? Yeah. Not very long. If it's, if it's close to freezing, you, it has a little bit of a shelf life. But as soon, if it's up in the 40s, you drop a color grade per day. Uh, that you keep it. So you really want to boil it just as fast as you can. Okay. Yeah, you can think of it too like raw milk. You, it's, going to, it's going to go downhill very quickly. Um, my husband used that analogy the other day and I just, it, it works. <laughs> and it, you're, you, the bacteria is going to grow faster in it um, than it would be in the finished syrup. So mm -hmm. the, the quicker you can get it boiled off, the faster, the better it'll be, the better the quality will be. So basically, when both of you folks start up your operation, you're just, you're in syrup season, right? You don't yeah. stop. It's just, it's a continual process, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. yes. yeah, our evaporator is actually sitting with sweet in it. it, it there's, because it, we can't boil everything off when we, when we make it. And so we're, 
because we finished, we boiled, the last time we boiled was about a week ago, and that's losing color grade. It's not sap, but it's not finished syrup either, so we're, we're losing grade on what's sitting in the evaporator right now. Well, now you just, both of you just talked about a term that maybe some folks aren't familiar with, and that's the grade or the color grade. Mm-hmm. So you want to maybe give me a little educational lesson on this one too? Yeah, uh, the, the grades in the state of Maine are grade A light, grade A medium, grade A dark, grade A extra dark, and commercial. Mm-hmm. Uh, the four grade A syrups you can purchase retail, the commercial is only something that can be sold in bulk containers of at least five gallons, and generally you're going to get that direct from a producer, if they've even made any. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the grade A syrups can be have to be free of off flavors, and the color grade is determined um, by light transmittency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers. And so you have the light, and the grade A light is similar. It's the same grade that Vermont uses and calls grade A fan, or calls grade fancy, Vermont okay. fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the grade A extra dark in Maine is, if you go outside of Maine, it's grade B. So when you hear, if you hear of using the grade B, there is the diet out there or the cleansings, mm-hmm. lemonade mm-hmm. with cayenne pepper and grade B syrup. That's grade A extra dark in Maine. Okay. Here's the tricky part. We're about to change. The state? The, the maple industry. Okay. Um, it's going to make it easier f- for everyone because in Canada they have a different grading system. Every state has a different grading system. It's very confusing to the consumer. And with markets going outside of the United States and outside of North America mm-hmm. to China and to uh, the, all these Asian Euro- yeah. European countries, yep, yep. The International Maple Syrup Institute came up with a new grading system, and I wish I'd brought the card with me, but I, th- I believe it's golden, amber, dark, and very dark mm-hmm. are going to be the four grades. And that's it, across the industry? Across the industry. Mm-hmm. But we're looking, that's going to change probably within the next three or four years. It's not, it's not going to be an instant change, but it is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is something that the Maine Maple Producers Association did vote at their annual meeting in January to approve the new grades. So that will be something that hopefully will help consumers. It, it's going to take some time to educate. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. need to put that out there, and and so hopefully. Now, is there a flavor differentiation? I, I mean, I personally prefer. I have a personal preference toward darker syrup. Yes. But that's also because I use it a lot in cooking, and I just don't know if it imparts a richer flavor. Or what do you? Yes, it's exactly that. As it gets darker, the flavor gets richer. That that a, a fancy syrup has a very delicate flavor, mm-hmm. and it gets lost in cooking. It's great if you're going to eat it on pancakes or okay. or something, but it gets lost in cooking because it's very delicate. Mm-hmm. Then as it gets darker, even down to the commercial grade, the the maple flavor just gets stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there a premium? I mean, does a consumer usually pay a premium for that lighter, more delicately flavored product? Or? They used to, but the demand for the darker syrups and the fact that it's not being produced as much as producers are using reverse osmosis mm-hmm. and being able to get it in and off that heat as quickly as possible, the lighter syrups are what's being produced mm-hmm. and the darker is in demand that they've actually come up to the price of the, the lighter syrup. <laughs> gotcha. So if I'm thinking I'm, it's going to be more economical for me to purchase a dark syrup, it's not necessarily the case at all. No, the commercial grade will usually be cheaper in bulk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right, but other than that, other then, than yeah. That. Now, uh, 
Oh, I, we have another caller. Good morning. Could you uh, state your name and where you're calling from, please? Hi, I'm Chris, and I'm calling from Hancock. Good morning. Um, here's what I, I was uh, I was riding in the car, and I was listening to all this stuff about sap coming out of the trees, and I was reminded of when I was in West Africa, and they would tap palm trees, but they would t- uh, tap the palm trees, and um, it was it would come out, and it would be very slightly effervescent, and then it would rapidly grow more effervescent. And more alcoholic. And oh. it made me wonder about whether people made maple wine from the sap, whether it behaved the same way, that it would begin to turn itself into alcohol. And that might not be a good thing for making syrup from, but, you know, you just wonder about these things. And I will take my answer off the air. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. Do we have a maple wine? Uh, absolutely. Do we really? Oh, oh absolutely. You can make, um, you can make a, a spirit. With maple, you can uh, make maple wine, maple beer. And maple it's soda. Maple soda. Really? There's a fermentation process, and, uh-huh. and it's just like making wine and making beer and making meads. And Have you done it and, before? I haven't, no. Have you done it before? I have not, but my sister-in-law has. Oh, really? With our syrup. Any, yes. Do we have any samples? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that would be kind of fun. Yeah. So that's, that's a very fascinating uh, thing. So we could open up another whole market here. As Absolutely. Far as, yes. All right. I, I want to get back to something that you had mentioned. We talked a little bit about the sugar mm-hmm. and that you can take that down to the final stage. So uh, that means you sell a maple sugar then, yes. right? Yep. Um, where is it? Is it available? Are there, do places stock it? Is it yes. your health food store or yep. the co-op? Or? Yeah. Um, I've sold it. I've sold it to the Belfast Co-op. A and B Naturals and Bar Harbor carries it. Mm-hmm. Um, various little stores will carry it. I'm going to be headed to the New England Products Trade Show where it's a tra- it's a gift shop show, and mm-hmm. so a lot of sh- a lot of little shops will carry the sugar. And the nice thing about it being sugar it's and in a sealed container it it actually has a longer shelf life oh wow i think we have another caller good morning could you tell us who you are and where you're calling from please hi this is zafra from montville also from the belfast co-op how are you guys doing good morning hi listen i just want to comment on the idea of using maple syrup to make alcohol i've done that actually and i know some people have done it to make beer um and they have a make a very nice maple porter Mm-hmm. Uh, I use I use it in a Belgian style, and the thing with maple is that it's a high, very highly fermentable sugar, mm-hmm. and if you use it early in the process of fermenting, it ferment it uh, ferments out almost completely, so it doesn't leave a whole lot of maple flavor or essence in the end product. Oh, so it's just prime. I didn't I didn't know that. So yeah, it it, it really just dries it out, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean in terms of like dry as in a dry wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's so highly fermentable, but you can also, I've heard of people putting it in later in the process, later in the fermenter, mm-hmm. or even um, as a priming sugar for carbonation, mm-hmm. and then you would probably end up getting a lot more of the maple flavor. I put a pint in um, after, in the middle of the fermentation process for the beer I was making, and I still didn't really taste much of it at all. But but the friends that I know that do it in a, use large quantities, they use it when it's boiled about halfway down, and then they use it in place of the the water for their for their uh, for making their beer, and I think they get more just because there's so much more of the maple sugar in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, great! Well, thank you very much. That's been a great call. So ah, <laughs> we appreciate that. And I think do we have another caller on the line? Good morning. Could you give Hi, us yeah, our name, Ed. your name, and where you're from, please? Yes, that's Ed from Trenton, and I, uh, I I'm wondering. I, I heard uh, earlier. I just tuned in and heard uh, a mention of of the uh, pressure. And I did I understand uh, you to mean that 
that the uh, tapping is good for the tree, that it releases some kind of pressure? Go ahead, Marion. We'll sure, yeah. The, the tree produces more sap than it needs to grow, and the sap that it gives us to make maple syrup is its extra. So, and the tree, when it builds up, builds up pressure, just imagine what cells are doing, and, and they're, it doesn't, if it's got a high pressure, it's going to burst almost. And so by releasing that sap, it, it's helpful to the tree. If you notice, you can look at a maple tree that isn't tapped. If it has a limb that is broken off, it's releasing sap. It, mm-hmm. And, and it's not harming the tree at all. It's actually, it's helpful to the tree to release some of that so that it doesn't have such a high pressure. But it needs that high pressure so nor- to get normally to the, top. the So nor- normally the tree does ha- have some other way, too, of, of releasing? and Or what happens if you're not tapping them? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question, <laughs> Paul. I mean, it, it, there's excess sap, but the tree, the tree to, if there's no place for the tree to release that sap, it stays inside the tree and goes up to the to the buds and and is used by the tree. But as you know, it is there is excess sap there. We're not harming the tree by taking it out. It's yeah. so. But if you can't, so what is the effect? What is the effect then? I say so you're saying that it, it doesn't go up to the to the buds and all. Is does it uh, does it have an effect on on the production of the buds or the production of leaves or anything else? No, they've studied it over the years and the amount of sap that we're taking from the trees doesn't doesn't harm them in any way and it and it possibly could actually help them i mean if you look at a tap tree it it grows as fast as or faster than an untapped tree hmm. very good question yeah i'm just trying to under, understand uh, what what would be the difference uh in if you don't tap a tree and you do tap a tree what what is the difference in the in, in, in the long term for the tree I don't really know the answer. No, that's right. a good question. Really sure. Yeah. yeah <laughs> thank you for your call. Maybe an arborist would right. know more. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that would be a good question for an arborist. But that is a that was a good question. Thanks very much for your yeah, call. You. Yeah. And for those folks that are just joining us, this is uh, Mofka's Common Ground here on your community radio, WERU, eighty nine point nine in Blue Hill and ninety nine point nine in Bangor, and streaming all over the world at WERU.org. We're talking about maple syrup this morning, and I'm joined in the studio with Paul Volkhausen from Happy Town Farm and Marianne Kinney from Knox, um, Kinney Sugar House, sorry. And our phone here in the studio, if you'd like to join in the conversation, is 469-0500. And we're, and we're having a really good conversation here. I'm afraid I'm not going to get all my questions answered. <laughs> so uh, tell me a little bit more about, so we have sugar and you can get it at places like co-ops and things like that. Oh, we've got another call. All right, we'll in, invite you to join us. Please, uh, uh, good morning, and would you state your name and where you're calling from, please? Hello. Hi there. Yes. My name is Annie. I'm calling from Lemoyne. I only use maple sugar as my sweetener, and so I've been, like, wondering, like many, many folks, what we're going to be doing. My question is about the late season um, what's called, I guess, the extra, um, you know, the extra dark A or something here, and rather than B. Are there more minerals in that? Is there more mineral content in the late season syrup? There is a study out um, that I believe it was done in Canada. Uh, it, it, the minerals in the syrup come from the, the soil the, around the trees. So it can vary from sugar bush to sugar bush. But the darker the syrup, the more concentrated those minerals do tend to be 
usually. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think that they wanted that grade B in that lemonade, which is grade A extra dark, of course, in Maine. And because it is a higher concentration, but not by that much versus the light. I, I think the minerals are they're there because they come from the soil. They're in the sap. Um, the biggest difference is the sugar molecule that is in the in the in the finished product. The, mm -hmm. the lighter syrup, it's the larger sucrose molecule, and the darker syrups, it's fructose and glucose. The heat changes the the sugar, but other than that, I, the minerals are are there. Mm, good question. So, in, in terms of the, in terms of the sugar molecules, is there um, is there any difference nutritionally? Well, I, that probably is a question for a nutritionist, <laughs> but I do know that it's sucrose in the lighter syrups and glucose and fructose yeah. in the darker syrups. Right, right. That, those are good questions, and I'm making some notes on those because, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm very interested in some of these nutritional things, so sure. I thank you for right. those questions. And thank you. Thanks thank for you calling. For and I think we've got another caller on the line. Good morning. Could you give me your name and where you're calling from, please? Good morning. It's John. I'm in Unity. Hi, Cheryl. Thanks. Hey. Good morning, John. How are you? Good. Thanks for being there. Thank you, Paul, for showing up and talking about all of this. You're welcome. It's been a fascinating conversation. Um, I, I'm no expert on this, but have been tapping trees for the last 25 years or so and done a lot of reading. Um, a couple of things that I would throw in. Um, the trees... And, and I wish I could cite the article that I read where I read this, but the trees actually store the sap in the twigs to keep them from freezing in the winter. When they get warmed up in the sunshine, they release the sap. It drops, um, goes to the roots. Um, when it gets cold at night, the, the sap or the uh, the twigs call for more for more sap so that they don't freeze. It moves back up. And, and hence the sap flows. Um, that seems to make the most sense to me, um, just in terms of my limited understanding of physics and <laughs> that. Um, what, I, what I am more concerned about is, is, is the discussion of whether it's good for the tree or not to tap it. And to be honest with you, my feeling on this is that that we've not been around long enough or been doing this long enough to really study that, to put side by side and know whether or not it's good for the tree to tap it. Um, and I, in that regard, we try to err on the side of caution in terms of how many taps and how mm -hmm. much sap we take from the tree. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's the tree's nutrient. That's, that's it. And we're... I, I would I would rather be conservative in that regard than uh, than assume that yep if we don't tap it it's it's going to go to waste because no I think I think the trees the, the trees have been around longer than the species than the human <laughs> species and uh, will probably outlast us at the rate of speed we're going. <laughs> All right, I, thanks. I, thanks for your thanks yeah. for your call, John. Go ahead, Paul. I, I would agree, but I think that we actually have been studying this long enough. I mean, you know, the trees in front of my house are 200 years old. They've been tapped for 200 years. That's getting to the limit of a maple tree's life. Uh, and um, 
I also think th- from what I've read is that actually the, the sap is stored in the roots and on the warm day it goes up to the buds and then it goes back down again. So is that your understanding? That's my understanding too. And I, I, aside from possibly causing the tree harm, break a twig off in the winter and, and bring it in the house, warm it up. If there's sap in there, it would it would flow out, but there isn't. Mm-hmm. If you have... You know, we have silver maples that line our driveway, and we have branches on the ground all the time. And, you know, we've picked some up. The kids like to play with them. They'll bring them in the house in the winter. There is no sap in those those mm. twigs. Mm. So I don't I don't think he's right on that on that one. I, I've never heard. I've always heard it was stored in the roots, and it r- yeah. rises up. And that's as it warms up, it comes up the tree, and at night it flows back, back down, down into the exactly. root system mm-hmm. um, on those cold nights. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, thanks. This has been a really interesting discussion. Do you have something else, Marianne? Well, I actually, I read a children's book to young kids when I, we get tours through the sugar house called Sugarbush Spring. I can't remember who the author is, but they talk about how the smaller trees, they won't, the little girl, the granddaughter goes out with her grandfather to tap the trees with them, and they hug the tree, and if they can touch their fingers, they, it's too small for it because it needs all its all its nutrients mm-hmm. that to continue to grow. As soon as the fingers don't touch... You can start putting a tap on it, and then they go, they go by a really big tree, and the grandfather says, "Nope, she's given and given till she's given it enough, and we're going to let that one just continue it the rest of its life on its own." And and you know we we follow that same process. If it's if it's too small to tap, we don't tap it, and if it's too big, at some point at some point it's too big and it's too retired. old. It's retired. Exactly. <laughs> yes, it's yeah. retired. So oh, I like that. So a yeah. uh, couple of quick questions. I think we have a little bit more time that I can get some of my questions answered. Um, storage, yeah. maple syrup stored in plastic versus tin, or what's the best way to store it? Refrigerate it. Uh, that sort of thing. The best storage is glass. Well, or okay. or a stainless or a steel stainless barrel. Steel. Okay, stainless steel okay, barrel. Glass or stainless steel. Yep. Uh, when you store it hot, store it um, stainless steel barrel, glass, plastic would be next, and the metal no more than a month mm-hmm. because it'll start to take on the metal flavor. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. So those metal con- yeah. containers are not the best to store it in. No. Okay. Good. Excellent. It's nice to know that. And the other thing I'm interested in is you made some mention about how. Maple sugar is sweeter than conventional cane sugar or sugar beet sugar. Yep. So, and cooking, you can cook with it and but use less. To, yep, use All less. Right. I cook a lot with maple syrup. Don't use, and I know you said you do too. I don't use, I hardly use sugar at all. I yep. use primarily maple syrup. How do you adapt a recipe, something like you that? You have to reduce your liquid, and I don't know the exact amount. I think it's, about, it's about one-third maybe, reduce the liquid. Sounds, sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's a trial. I know, Paul. Yeah, I know I'm putting you on the error. spot here, <laughs> but I mean it's a trial and error. And obviously, if you're baking, it's going to be one way, okay. And if right. it's and if you're uh, making something like baked beans or that's in a liquid form, it doesn't right. make as much of a difference. Right. So, well, we've had a really, really great discussion here. Um, We've had uh, Paul Volkhausen from Happy Town Farm in Orland and Marianne Kinney from Kinney Sugar House. And I want to thank you both. It's been very, very enlightening. And I can. I hope we have a great season. I'm looking forward to it. I, I do have to let you know that um, next Saturday in Unity, which would be March 10th, 
at Mofker. We're having our spring growth conference, which is going to be on the tomato this year. So those folks that are interested in growing, cultivating, pests, and all those fun things associated with tomatoes, that will be in uh, over in Unity. Uh, information about this is available on our website at uh, mofka.org. Uh, the next Friday of the month, which would be April 6th, our program here in the studio is going to be on backyard chickens. So I'm excited to have that one. And uh, I just want to thank you all for joining us on Your Community Radio. This has been Common Ground, hosted by your Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. And this is your community radio station, WERU-FM, 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and worldwide at WERU.org. 